Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I'm here with who? Marty McCoy from Bogoflex. It's been a while. It's been a minute. I like the liquid <laughs> conversation. You like that? So how's life on the road right now? Because you guys are still touring like um, it's the only thing you know how to do. It is the only thing we know how to do. Um, I can't get on a roof, get up there and nail some shingles in and get hurt. <laughs> Got to play guitar. Uh, life on the road's been great. Um, I wish we'd have went south for these months. <laughs> but uh, next month we're heading, yeah. January, February, we are heading down south and and. Uh, bottom of the part of the united states uh, and we do have to say we are in new hampshire right now and it is a balmy what 17 degrees outside the coldest like it's that. been in 100 years this yeah. time of year yeah is what i heard yesterday for thanksgiving just for you guys coming in That's, it seems like it follows us a lot of things follow you guys <laughs> <laughs> it is a feast or famine with this band out of the amount of time that i've known you guys you guys either have the absolute best experience or the most unbelievable, chaotic, tragic that you can't even imagine this shit when you put an Instagram <laughs> photo up. It's, uh, Is that really happening to them? Did that trailer just fall apart? Is the RV deciding it's just not going to run today? It's uh, never a dull moment, I'll tell you that. Never? Never. Uh, when I go home and we're off tour, it's so boring. I'm so used to organized chaos that when I get home, I'm just like, okay, I've already seen everything on Netflix. I've, yep. I, I'm starting to smell, my robe's starting to smell bad. I've got to get back on the road. I have no purpose back here. That's an interesting concept that you think that you don't have any purpose unless you're out here doing this. I, it's got to be something musical, you know? Got to be in the studio or it's like, like I said, when I go home, I, uh, my skills are limited as far as construction work or... <laughs> Or, or whatever pays whatever guy. pays the bills. Yeah, yeah. So I have no other skills. So to pay the bills, it's it's uh, you know on the road. Recently, I've been kind of posing this question to bands that have a very similar mentality about it. That's kind of the way they're, you got to be. They're constantly on the road. They're constantly doing this. Is there a backup plan? No, absolutely not. Zero. No, I always thought if you wanted to do something great, you don't dip your toe in the water. You jump off. All or nothing. All or nothing. Go big or go home. Absolutely. I think that's the only way to do it. Um, I mean, you know, bands like Tool, guys that had special effects knowledge and things like that. That's not us. Right. We're from West Virginia, and the coal mines are shut down. So it's it's rock and roll. When time. you're not touring and money gets tight and you do have to do something else just to pay the cable bill or uh, the internet. It hasn't quite happened yet. When you've done something, does it just register in your mind, okay, I'm just doing this to pay the bill, but it's not a backup? hasn't quite happened yet. I've um, been lucky enough to... to manage my finances and and uh you know been able to survive off absolutely, of music absolutely and that's not an easy job now it's definitely not but it can it can be done um i mean if you want to it's like any job if you want right. to get down and 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 get to the top you know and become the ceo or become the big rock band you got to work right and we're not afraid of hard work for sure the one thing that is interesting about Bubba Flex is that you guys have literally you do most everything for yourselves absolutely you guys have been involved into the machine you kind of got sucked up into it you it was got great chewed, for a minute it was you awesome got chewed up got spit right back out but ever since then it's been you guys yeah it was um when we signed to TVT records it was one of those great things where all of a sudden we're on tour with seven dust and there's a tour bus rolling up to the house and we get to put our luggage on it and, and it's just a great thing we did the first record with them and the second record they were super excited and like oh right. my god this song home is going to be huge and we were just like oh i almost called my mom i didn't call her but i almost said mom i think i think this is happening and then they went bankrupt Right. And they were one of the biggest label, independent labels the world had ever seen. And they had. Then they shit the bed. Yeah, they shit the bed. They had 
Pitbull. They had Little John, the Yin Yang Twins. They, when they signed us, they were like, okay, you know, we started out with rock, and then we moved over to rap, and we've done very well with rap. We want to show the world we can do rock again, and we want Bobaflex to be the ones we were doing it with. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Right, yeah, because at that point, all this attention got focused on you guys, and it was we'll say it's kind of like uh roadrunner picking up nickelback yeah this is our chance we're gonna we're gonna save the label with this band yeah and we we're like and you guys is, were that band this is amazing and we're gonna come back and show everyone that we can that we know what we're doing with rock and roll and it was like this is great now all of a sudden boom out of nowhere we finished the album record label phone calls they don't no severance packages to any of their employees nothing just boom it's over locking the doors nobody gets paid tbt is gone that was really scary and it took about two years for us to get anything back like we we had to fight the bank. The bank owned Boba Flex. Right. When it when a bankruptcy goes down, nobody knows what's going on. Right. We had to hire a bankruptcy attorney. We had to hire a, a music entertainment attorney. With because yeah, they literally can take everything. Because at that point, the band is not just a bunch of people, a bunch of artists, a bunch of music. It's a business. Absolutely. And it, the scary part was after that happened, it took us about two years to get free and clear and be able to be a band again because we were just touring, selling T-shirts to pay attorneys. That's a lot of T-shirts because they take That's a seven-minute phone call. Think about it. Yeah, they take a seven-minute phone call. You have to sell 22 T-shirts to pay them off. Um, uh, probably not that bad, but it felt like that at the but time. But still, though, I mean, just the concept. Yes, yeah, before we had really cool shirts. We were selling them at <laughs> 10 bucks a pop. But, uh, you know... So then everybody said, oh, it's over for Boba Flex, you're done. And then Bury Me With My Guns came out independently and hit the radio waves right. and just did so well that it was it was, blew us away. And the major labels started coming around. Right. And we were so freaked out. Nothing against the major labels at the time. I'm 50-50 on if we did the right thing or not at that time. Right. Um, but it was so scary that TVT went away and the way the music industry was going and you keep hearing stories about, okay, this these downloads, this, you know, this is before Spotify was even a thing. It was like, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? The big guys could be gone. Right. So we, it freaked us out so much. We, we just kind of like, you know what? We're just going to do our thing, keep all the money and, and see what happens. And we're one of the bands that are still around. You know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned how when the big label starts sniffing around. Yes. And they, they think that you have something to offer Absolutely. and they can monetize you. Which I understand that's the way it works. Right. And then you start thinking, oh, yeah, okay, big label, big label starting. To, okay, well, if we sign with, you know, Sony or something like that, phenomenal, amazing. We go, we go on to the red label out of Sony. This could be amazing. This could be huge for our career. But it could end up being a 360 deal, and you don't own shit That's again. That's exactly what it was. That's the I'm talking the big major guy. I won't yeah. mention them by name, but everybody yeah. knows who they are. They were around, and they, they threw out these deals. And like, look, guys, one of the guys even said, this is the major leagues. This is not TVT Records. Here's the deal. And I didn't even need an attorney to look at it. I go, I'm not signing that. I'm not 17 years old. You must be out yeah. of your fucking mind. Well, at that point, you're old enough, so you're like, well, artistically, I'm not desperate. Right. It's like I can tour the country. And, right. and you know I can do it without you yeah there's no such thing as MTV anymore where you know there's no such like it's changed so much it's like I can tour the country and we can build our following and don't care if the Rolling Stones ever heard of us we can make right. a damn fine living doing it it's a good point and I was thinking about that the other day when you and I first did an interview and you talked about family influence and I had referred to guys as like what I thought was the modern day Eagles oh, everybody I think you shot a little far on that one but I'll take it no no for real everybody in the band can play everybody can sing okay everybody can create okay right. which is exactly what the Eagles did right. okay some people like the Eagles some people don't I'm a huge whether Eagles it's 
your taste in music or not, regardless, the Eagles did something that was magical, and a lot of bands have never done that. When I first met you guys, I thought that. But when you start talking about how this is not the era of MTV, that's pretty accurate because when you think about the era when the Eagles came out and Zeppelin came out and the 70s, Bands all toured around. They played every little bar within 200-mile radius. If they were lucky, they could self-fund a tour. They would get to California. They would play out there. But back then, the label actually meant something. Right. Well, now, you don't need the label. You can record it in your basement. You can produce your own stuff. You don't need the money behind you to really create a good quality product. So, you know, as a band, how do you feel about that? Because it used to be bands used to strive to get signed. Right. Do you feel like you're striving to get signed anymore no 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 i feel like now um i mean it's definitely the industry changes so fast right it's once we feel like we've got a hold on something and something's really working three months later it doesn't work anymore Uh, i wouldn't say it's that fast but it's pretty quick it's quick yeah. yeah. Um, but what we've found out that works is, you know, you, you beat the street. You get out there and you look people in the eye and you play your songs and, and you play them as hard as you can every single night. Hardest and, working band out there. And and it, people respond to it. Now, it would be amazing if Dave Grohl happened to be in the crowd and was like, I'd like, this band's great. I'd like to take them on tour. Or Ivan Moody from Five Finger Death Punch is mm-hmm. like, I love this band. This band's great. And, and we were able to go on tour with a band like that. I mean, that would definitely supercharge what we're, we're going for. But... You know, it's it it is a business, but it, I hate to sound cliche, but it's all about playing music and and playing music with my friends on the road and having that experience with people out in the crowd, and, and that's what it's about. Now, if it ever explodes into something that you know there's two jet planes and, and buses, I won't complain. <laughs> Who but if would? It, but if it doesn't, you right. know what I mean? It's like I don't. This is not a cubicle. There's pot and alcohol that I am allowed to have right now at my job, right. and tell jokes to my friends and play loud guitars and sing, right. and there's smoke going off and lights, and yeah. this is a great job. Yeah, I'm glad that you call it a job. I <laughs> sometimes it feels because like you know what because I've had this conversation a lot and my friend Rob Rivera the drummer from the band Nonpoint oh yeah him and I had this conversation way back and it was about how he gets very aggravated when people say it must be nice not having a real job I saw this I saw this post yeah yeah. and the thing of it was is that he was like how is this not a job 24 hours a day job this is more of a job than most people want to admit right because people that are working at the factory here in Seabrook New Hampshire down the street that have you know probably went to work today because they didn't have Black Friday off. They, they had yesterday off if they were lucky because it was Thanksgiving. They worked today, which really ticked them off. They probably have to work a half a day on Saturday. But tonight, they're coming out here to spend their hard-earned paycheck to get buzzed, have a good time, see a great band play, potentially get laid by either the person they brought or the person they're going to meet. Or Jimmy. Or Jimmy. And <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy's available. That's, Jimmy and I had this discussion not long ago. And, um, you know, you talk about Facebook and the left and the right and the red and the blue. And it's like, we don't see that. We travel the country and we don't see this big separation of people. We see people at their best. We see yeah. them on Friday nights, Saturday nights with a day off tomorrow yeah. with a, you know, whatever they've saved up. They put effort into what they look like when they come to the bar. They're ready to rock yeah. and roll. Oh, They're yeah. ready to cut loose. It's an event for them. And it's not it's not this horrible, terrible place that everyone's talking about on fake book or whatever. Um, it's one, it's awesome. It's like and and you know, they just people are so happy and, and we get to see that every single night. And it's you know, every day is Friday. It's it's pretty awesome for us. So when you guys get up and you see that when you're on stage, who do you think's having more fun? You or them? The us, crowd. Us for sure. You? 
Yeah. 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 Jimmy? Me. <laughs> I'm having a blast. That's like, people always say that you guys smile and stuff on stage and you look like you're having such a good time. It's like, we are having a good time. And when that, as soon as that first note hits, it's like, this is everything I ever wanted. And, and, and here it is again tonight. So we'll switch gears and we'll talk about music a little bit. How do you guys feel about how Eloquent Demons has been received i can't believe it we i looked and looked as hard as we could because our favorite thing are bad reviews when someone really nails you to the wall and said yep. this guy's just trying to be david gilmore and maynard james keenan <laughs> wrapped into one i think that shit's <laughs> hilarious and I, oh shit he nailed me um but <clears throat> we couldn't find any i don't know if the uh rock critic is so afraid to say something bad anymore because because rock sales aren't what they used to be 20 years ago. I don't know what it is, or maybe it's a great record. I'd like to think it's a great record, but absolutely. Okay, so uh, for those of you familiar with uh, Metal Sucks, they've, yep. made a, they've made a living out of- knocking, Bagging on everybody. Knocking everybody, including us, every album. And I always take it with a you know, smile. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Uh, they called El- uh, Anything That Moves, our prior album, right. a uh, uninspired shower wank, I think was their words, which I thought was hilarious. I didn't care. But I was real proud when I read the review of Eloquent Demons. They said if, it, if uh, the single at the time, Long Time Coming, was on the radio, they wouldn't turn the channel. And that was all I had to hear. I said, that's a damn win. That's huge. That's exactly huge Metal right Sox there. says that. You know you've done something. The reason I asked that is because you sent the tracks to me yes. originally. Dropbox link. It hadn't oh, even been mastered yet. The names of the songs and that. Yeah, yeah. Just it was basically just track one, track two, track three. I get in trouble for that. You shouldn't have told anyone I'd do that to you. <laughs> but it, I mean, obviously, it never went anywhere. Right, right. But the thing of it is, is that you guys did something different on this. Now, I thought on the previous album, I thought it was dark, but this album, I thought, was exceptionally dark. <laughs> These are that might be. We were talking about the next record. We're already working on stuff for the next record. And the name of the record might be Dark Times. Dark I'm not, Times? I'm not sure. My brother usually comes up with the album titles because okay. he's great at it. Um, but I think that one, that's the one I'm throwing in the hat. Sean will probably come up with something that's so great that I'm like, okay, never mind. Dark Times. Whatever. Well, when you sent it to me and I listened to the songs the first time, I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong, man? Yeah. I got what text. is going on? Is everything okay? I was like, things are great. What's-? <laughs> it's like, I know it's tough out there, but shit, dude, I really? Just, you know, I listen to music and I, I listen to radio and I listen to Spotify and I listen to all this stuff and it's like the 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 rock the rock scene. Where's the darkness? It's like to me, a lot of it now sounds very inspirational and, and very different than what I grew up on and what what I what attracted me. You know, what made me horny about rock was it was scary and you were in trouble for listening to it. And I don't and we don't intentionally write songs that way. That's just. That's just how it works. But you make a comment about how, you know, journalists or critics or people are scared to give a bad review. As much as they're scared to give a bad review, bands are scared to do anything dangerous. Yeah. Risky. Yeah. Honest. I just... They're following a the formula. What do they think is going to actually make the Facebook or the Instagram or the uh, SoundCloud or the iTunes statistical machine tick? SoundCloud, you have to put Lou in front of your name to be or tell <laughs> you make it on soundcloud you say lil and then something and then yeah. you rap and then you explode um i don't know i just uh, we're not trying to be different we just you know we just are it's like the fact that there's five guys in the band and everybody writes annoyingly a lot and <laughs> non-stop you know i'm like guys give me some space i'm trying to write one and there's here's a song here's a song here's a song um i think th- we're lucky in that way that we don't sound the same every song and you know it, it just 
several people write and even if you're like jimmy you're in the band what five years now almost five yeah. years and the second he joined the band as like what do you got instead of hey guy this is how we write songs and you're just gonna listen and play the bass and, and it was like hey what do you got man and it's just a lot of fun to bring you know to write with people and right. and, and kind of let go and, and be free and not worry about hey this is what Boba Flex sounds like and this we follow you know a strict regiment of and Sean and I write all the songs and Tommy and it's just not that way it's never been that way I don't think it'd be any fun that way well clearly I mean it's obvious you guys probably be better that way you guys are bucking <laughs> the system on a lot of shit so it's I mean that, that doesn't really surprise me yeah. when you say that I just you know if it's a good song and, and we feel it's that's the way it happens is everybody writes and, and somebody does something everyone turns and says that's that's what our energy is going to focus on right now until right. it's finished and then set back around and everyone throws their ideas out in the pot and and sometimes people will come to the table with fully written songs. Sometimes it'll just be a part. Sometimes it'll be a chorus, a riff. And, and but we're all pretty much on the same page of what we think is cool. So it's immediately turn the, the focus to the, to the part that we like and then go from there. That's a good lead-in because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was about something that you guys have experienced on a couple different occasions. Uh-oh. And that is bands that now seem to do covers. Right. Now, bands have done covers. Always. This is not a new thing. Right. Okay. Somebody eventually has always covered something. Right. Okay. My question is, you know, you guys have done a couple of covers that were well-received for you guys. Yes. But I'm also starting to think, is the modern-day rock band losing inspiration so they have to cover somebody? Um... I don't know. I think, like you said, bands have always done covers. Right. I think radio. But it seems more com- like it now. It seems like band. I mean, look. Uh, okay, we'll we'll say a band uh, like Bad Wolves. Their cover of "Zombie" by the Cranberries went platinum. Yeah, it did fast too. Remember the Ataris though. Remember when they did "Boys of Summer"? That was yeah. a great cover. Um, it's you know, bands have always done covers. Uh, Marilyn Manson, "Sweet Dreams." Yeah. Big one. Yeah, we actually just listened to that today. I don't know if we're just noticing it more now, or it definitely feels like it's a there's a large influx. It seems like now it seems like now that's the thing. If you're if you're a band, it's the '80s ballad. You have to have a cover on the record if if you're going to make a record. Now, now if you want to have any attention whatsoever, the rock charts or active radio or what have you, it's like they expect you to do one. Yeah. um, I mean, you guys, everybody in the band writing and everybody creating all the time, and and like you said, writing to a fault, writing music, doing a cover for you guys is really not all that inventive. I, I would agree. Um, the only reason we did uh, the Pink Floyd cover was because Tommy and I are huge Pink Floyd fans. And we had discussed this, too, because you told me that when you guys had done this, if people don't listen close enough, they don't hear the differences between the original right. and what you guys did. You guys had a lot of different changes in it. We did. Yeah. Um, we did that song because Tommy and I are crazy Pink Floyd fans. We met when we met. I was 11 years old, and Tommy was... 12 or 13 and we got stoned and listened to Pink Floyd for years before we got our instrument you know I mean before right. we even played together in a room and we wanted to do it just so we could pretend we were Pink Floyd in the studio for a day and if it sucked we would never release it and it right. was worth every penny just being in the studio and playing that playing that riff and if it turned out cool we'll put it out you know and it was just one of those kind of things where it was, it was a fun project and when we got it done we're like oh shit man this is, this is pretty good it turned out great yeah, yeah. So we put it out, and, and that's when you really put your armor up and get ready for the bashing. When you do yeah. a fluid yeah, cover, because you're, you better. You're, you're taking a big chance when you do something like that. It's yeah. either going to be really good or super embarrassing. And people are going to hate you anyway. They, yep. they say, how dare you cover Pink Floyd? My answer to them is, go start a rock band and play for 
10 years and do whatever the fuck you want just like we did and you know well it's I mean, not like you guys have how dare you do that? major artists to begin with i mean sound yeah. of when you guys did the cover of sound of silence yes way before david draymond but still <laughs> that's taken a pretty good risk i didn't think so like the reason we did that song at the time was our, our bass player had this unique voice and and one day I, I was watching an, a TV and Sound of Silence came on. I go, oh, shit, man, Jared could nail that. That was it. And then when we sat down to actually take it on, they're like, well, how do you want to do it? I was like, well, let's do it as if they were our age now and had, you know, they were a modern rock band now. You know, right. And, and this, this is how it would sound if they were, you know, 22 right now. So for me, looking at you and knowing what I know about you and, and your upbringing and where you came from, and you had told me a story about your dad that's awesome okay and being musical growing up and playing a lot of these songs when you do a cover it's like you as a kid just sitting around jamming like it's a sunday afternoon it's you your relatives your friends or whatever you're sitting around the backyard or in the garage or something like that somebody's got an acoustic and you're all just jamming you're having a couple of adult beverages and that's it yeah and that's what you did that's that's what i would say it was like when we do a cover and they say you make it your own i don't know how you wouldn't make it your own you know, kind of have to. Yeah, it's just you. You play. Otherwise, you're a tribute. Right. You play your interpretation of the song. I mean, you know, the, the song. I, I could listen to tell you a million songs. I know exactly how they go, and if I played them back for you, that's not exactly how it went. It's how I, I interpret them and how I've listened to them. And I don't know all the little int- in, ins and outs of all the songs right. and stuff. Um, but it's close enough, <laughs> you know. And it's just the, like the Floyd thing. It was we were so so proud when it was finished in the studio. I was like, we're putting this out. People yeah. hate it. It was still awesome to, to record such a cool song. And, I mean, Jimmy's playing lead on the bass. And it was just so much fun. It's like, who cares? We're doing it this For, for the most part, that really was the big boot in the ass to the album. Yeah. Yeah, we released it released it several months in advance yeah. before the album was even finished. And we're like, here you go. This is what we're going to do. And, and like I said, we did it for us. And yeah. if people, we lucked out that people liked it. That was an extra bonus. You know, it's awesome that you actually did it for you. It, you know, and this is going to sound weird by saying this, but that was completely self-serving. And there's no reason why you shouldn't have had it be self-serving. That's why you're in a rock band. That's why, you know, you play rock and roll because nobody tells me what to do. <laughs> and that's, the, well, that's, we stick to that shit. And it is, as soon as we wholeheartedly believe that philosophy, things have been great. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Always a pleasure. The Liquid Conversations podcast is brought to you by Dirtbag Clothing. Wear it till it stinks.